0: It's Resurrection Sunday, and there is strength in hope. Sometimes we have very little strength in our hope, and sometimes we have great strength in our hope. What do you have? Today, as you uh, look at this card, I want you to think about that in this area of your life where maybe you need hope. And if there's an area, again, we want you to write that down throughout the morning. Today, in the next three weeks, we want to build a, a knowledge in our life about the, the resurrection of Jesus. And if you are, you're here today, and maybe it's, you've just been coming for a little while, or this is your first time here, and you're wondering about all of this, I want to really encourage you to come over the next three weeks, and several of us are going to be presenting some, some of the facts and the history of the resurrection and what took place after the resurrection that will help you understand why we believe what we believe. And so I hope you'll take time and come and join us the next couple of weeks as we talk about uh, Easter postscript. Let's stand together today and let's open our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It says, Now I would remind you, this is Paul talking to the believers in Corinth. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, I preach to you which you receive in which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day in accordance with Scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Father, we thank you for your word and we're so grateful for this great message of the resurrected Savior today. And Lord, we pray that the truth of this would reign in every one of our hearts. You know the condition of every spirit day. You know those who need hope for some situation in their life. Give them that comfort and give them that touch today. You know those, Father, who need to just accept you as their Savior today and begin to follow your Son. Call us and speak to us and you know the believer father who needs strength in his faith today touch him we pray in her in Jesus name amen throughout the year there are many days of celebration uh, we have you know in America we have July 4th we celebrate as independence day and we shoot off fireworks and we know we know what that's about historically July 4th we have things like Memorial Day and we'll remember those who have pay the ultimate price for us and those who've gone on ahead of us and we'll remember them. We have Labor Day where we don't work. We don't labor that day. We celebrate all the labor that took place. But today's Resurrection Sunday. And Resurrection Sunday is either the most ridiculous celebration of the year or the most meaningful celebration of the year. Resurrection Sunday says that a man who lived 2,000 years ago was really the Son of God. And that he came to this earth and he died to pay for our sins, for our sin nature. And that he was raised from the dead and is alive today. And that eternal life can be found in him and only in him. Now, why would we believe that? Today, in the next three weeks, several of us are going to be looking at that question. And if you're serious about knowing more about what what fundamentally leads, leads, leads us to believe this to be true, I would encourage you to come over the next several weeks and really seriously weigh out. Because see, friend, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. If it's true, all of your eternity hangs on it. If it's true, it gives us a direction in how we should live our lives. And if it's not true, then all of it should be simply ignored. On this Easter Sunday, I want us to take a a moment and think about the guy who wrote the passage that we just read. His Jewish name was Saul. His Greek name was Paul. We recognize him in our culture as Paul. This was the man who arguably became the second most influential man in all of history. His writings and his teachings have influenced cultures and lives for 2,000 years. Paul is the man that God used to write a good portion of the New Testament and to clearly define the doctrine of Christianity as we know it today. Now, Paul was not one of the original 12 apostles that followed Jesus. He was not even one of the original followers of Christ. Paul, as a young Jewish boy, was trained in the way of the religious rulers of the Jewish people of the day, the Pharisees. Paul was passionate about God. He saw his people, the Jewish people, as the chosen people of God people who were to be protectors of the word that God had delivered to them, and they were to be people who followed the law that would set them aside as these chosen people. He knew that judgment came on his people when they abandoned the law, and he knew that f- the favor of God came on them when they obeyed the law. As a boy, he had taken to the religious teaching and and was really, uh, he, was, he was advanced, and in, in fact, he was advancing above most of those his own age. His future was, bl- was bright and was plotted out. Honor, position, power, influence were all within his reach. But most of all, Paul was a sincere follower of the one true God. Paul wanted to please God and he wanted to protect the people of God. He had undoubtedly heard how the more established leaders of the day saw this Nazarene, Jesus, as he rose into prominence, as he began to be a a person of influence among the people. He knew that many claimed that he was the Messiah, but that this had been dismissed by the Jewish leaders and the spiritual leaders of the day. When Jesus was killed on the cross, then with certainty, He knew that Jesus was not the Messiah because the popular confusion of the day was that the Messiah was going to set up an earthly kingdom. But then it's at this point that the trajectory of his life was going to cross with the followers of Jesus. They were making a claim that Jesus was risen from the grave. And they were making a claim, they were making a claim that if you were going to have eternity as your home in heaven, that you had to repent and believe in him for eternal life. This was absolutely contrary to all the teachings of the Jewish leaders of the day. This was absolutely contrary with, with what they were saying about the story it was more for paul it was more than just ridiculous it was dangerous in paul's eyes because see people were being deceived so this is where paul would stake his claim he would honor god he would defend the law he would protect his people paul would take place at center stage in the the effort to stamp out the lie that Jesus was risen and that he was the Messiah. He would do this even to the point of destroying the people who would propagate this heresy. When the first martyr, Stephen, was killed, Paul was there. They put their cloaks at Paul's feet when they stoned him, and he gave his approval, and he celebrated the death Of Stephen, and then he would go from there and begin to work to destroy the people who proclaimed Jesus to be the Messiah throughout all of Jerusalem. He was an enemy of this growing faith. But today, 2,000 years later, we see Paul differently than all that. We see him as the great apostle the great writer of the gospel, the great apologist who defended the gospel in Israel and in Rome and throughout that part of the world. What caused Paul to completely turn from somebody who was completely against this faith to becoming the most ardent supporter of the faith. Without any judgment on this, in a political sense, this would be like Chelsea Clinton coming out and saying she now agrees with Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> or with Treg, Ted Cruz coming out and saying he's now aligned with Bernie Sanders. I mean, this is a 180 degree change of opinion. It's absolutely unfathomable. Except that is exactly what happens. Why? Why did Paul make this change? He had certainly heard about the miracles of Jesus and the miracles of the disciples. They'd been around and seen people testify to this miracle-working power, and the stories were prominent throughout Israel. But that wasn't what made him change. He had certainly heard about the teachings of Jesus, The amazing things that Jesus had said about how we should treat one another and how we should approach life and how we should live our lives, but that wasn't what made Paul change. He had seen the faith of believers as they were tortured and as they were martyred. He had stood and watched. But that wasn't what made Paul change. What changed Paul from a fierce opponent to a passionate advocate? We see it clearly in this passage that we just read this morning. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, he says, "'Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared.'" To me. This was a man who wanted to please God. This was a man who wanted his people, who wanted to help his people. And yet, on the road from Jerusalem to Damascus, going from one place where he was rounding up Christians to silence them, to another place where he heard there, there were some there, to gather them up and to bring them back to Jerusalem to be put before the religious leaders of the day. On that road to Damascus, the risen from the grave Messiah showed up and blinded him for a moment so he could see clearly for all eternity. He became a witness, a witness that Jesus was risen from the grave and he would give the rest of his life in, the spi- in spite of all opposition, in spite of the Jewish leaders rising up against him, in, st- in, in spite of all of the, the suffering that he would go through from that day forward, he would be a witness that Jesus was risen from the grave. When you read the words of Matthew, when you read the words of John, when you read the words of Peter and James, they all say the same thing, that Jesus is risen from the grave. They saw him, they talked to Jesus, they ate with Jesus, they watched him ascend into heaven, and they heard his final command. They saw him and over 500 others testify to seeing him as well. When the church was being birthed, in its fullness on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. Peter stood before the crowd, and we read his words in Acts chapter 2 where he says, This Jesus God raised up, and of, of, and of that we are all witnesses. Until that day, there was no Christian church on this planet. Until that day, and up until that very moment, all that had happened in the previous years would have quickly faded from record. We might have a few ancient world historians that would bring up and surface the teachings of a man named Jesus, a prophet, who was martyred in the early days of his life. Killed. But that's about all the farther it was going to go. All of those that followed Jesus thought he was the Messiah sent to set up an earthly kingdom. And the day of his crucifixion was a day of devastation. It was over. What they put their hopes in for the last three years was gone. He had been captured. He had been beaten. He had been crucified. And he had been buried. And so had all of their hope. Why would these people say, That Jesus was risen from the grave. What motive did they have? The message brought them nothing but trouble from men, but it also brought them the favor of God. Their hopelessness in that hour was was overthrown by the only thing that could overthrow it, the appearance of Jesus, the risen Savior. From that day to this, the followers of christ have been a people of hope they've been a people who believe that god has intervened upon this earth has sent his son and that we can be transformed into new creatures do you need something to hope that do you need some hope today is there something in your life today where you need hope is there a broken relationship is there is there a, a grief is there a sorrow is there something going on in your life where a dream has been crushed We want you to know as Christians today, as followers of Christ today, there's hope in all circumstances. And if you're needing hope someplace, we hope you'll take that card and just write that thing down. See, the resurrected Jesus gives us hope. Here's what the resurrection says. The resurrection says that his promises are true. That his promises are real. Over 3,000 of them. Do you know the promise of God for your circumstance? Oh, you, you certainly looked at what other people are saying. You certainly heard what your flesh says about it. You certainly heard, you know, what the enemy would whisper in your ear about your circumstance. But have you heard the promise of God? Have you searched out the Word of God and said, what does the Word say about this? You've got some addiction that holds on to your life that you, can't be set, that you haven't been able to be set free from and the world tells you that's the way you'll always be. Your flesh tells you you'll never be set free from it. The flesh tells you you'll never, it'll never let a hold of you, that you can't live your life without it. You are living in the world where you're hearing what the world says but you need to hear what resurrection power says today. Resurrection power tells us that we can be set free. No abuse from your past has to define you any longer. No betrayal has to define you any longer. All of your emotions and all of your brokenness will fill you with bitterness, but the resurrected Savior will fill you with hope. Do you need hope? Hope is found in the resurrection power. It is found in Jesus and in Jesus alone. The resurrection says you're not alone. Jesus said that if he left, the Holy Spirit was going to come. And the purpose of the Spirit is to lead us into all truth. And the purpose of the Spirit is to comfort us. That we don't have to walk through this life hoping to find our own way, and hoping to find peace in our spirit. The spirit is there in times of great loss to go where no words can soothe. In moments of grief, in moments of loss, and some of us in this room have faced great loss in our spirits this year. Great loss of loved ones and friends. And all the words that others say to us, they're kind and we appreciate them and they're nice. But they don't fill the emptiness of that spot in our heart. They don't give us hope for for, for what our future is going to look like. But I want to tell you today, the Spirit is there to give us strength. The Spirit of God is there to flow into our life. When all else is lost and all else is in pain, when our heart is broken, And no words, all the people we've called, all the ones we've talked to, their words just seem to bounce off of our hearts and we are left grasping for hope. It's in that hour that we can fall on our knees before God and lift our hands to Him and say, I believe in the resurrected Savior. I know that He has sent His Spirit to be with me. And we can begin to experience the ever." comforting hand of the Spirit of God in our lives to set us free from grief and sorrow and the bitterness of betrayal and the frustration of, of lives who turn their backs away from us, and we can find the peace of God in our spirit. The Spirit is there to lift us out of despair, and that comes because there's resurrection power. That resurrection power is real for you. The resurrection says that there's purpose for our lives. The resurrection says that the Bible is true. And we can trust its word. That we were made by God to be objects of his love. To show his glory and praise him. And to do his work. That he has created us for something Intentionally to be a blessing to others. And when God is invited into our lives, he takes every bump, every scratch, every cut, every bruise, every pain that you've ever experienced, and he turns it into purposeful fruit. Something that can be used to be a blessing to others and that as you use it and as the blessing of God flows through you you are touched and healed in the process there is fulfillment in the kingdom of God see friends this is why we do starting point every sunday every sunday at 10:30 we have a class back here in the in the welcome center and these these classes Gave the give the basic fundamental truths of the four places of growth in your life that you need to grow in to have the fullness of God in your life, and one of these places is where you find is how you find what God created you for and what God created you to do. I talk to more and more young men and young women who are struggling in their lives to find. A meaningful direction in life. They're struggling to try to find out what career they should do or how, what, they, what decisions they should make in life. And I want to tell you, friends, listen to me. If you're looking for a purpose in life, it's not going to be found just in a career. It's going to be found when you know what God created you to do and you begin to walk in it. The truth of that is revealed in the resurrection of Jesus that he came to this earth for a purpose. And as he fulfilled that purpose, the very anointing of God, his Father, was upon him and raised him from the grave. The resurrection says that there's eternal life. The graveside of our loved ones who go before us, we don't stand there hopeless. Now, I've been in a lot of, I've been in a lot of funerals. Talked to a lot of people going through grief. Almost every one of them will tell you when they stand there, whether they're followers of Christ or whether they live the most heathen life you could ever imagine. Almost everyone will say, oh, I'm glad mom's in a better place. Oh, I'm glad they're in a better place. But what makes us think that? What makes us believe that? There's only one real foundation for that. There's only one real purposeful teaching about that. And that's about the resurrection of Jesus. We have hope for resurrection because he has been resurrected. We have hope that our loved ones will will see him again someday because he defeated death. We have hope as our days grow shorter, And our time upon this earth gets closer to the end than it is at the beginning. That there is hope for all eternity, not simply on the teachings of Jesus, not simply on the miracles of Jesus. We have hope in all of that because of a resurrected Jesus. Because Jesus came to life and walked upon this earth and is today interceding for us in heaven are you facing a place where you need hope i want to challenge you to give it to god and trust in him listen the enemy wants you to live in the spirit of saturday god wants you to live in the hope of sunday the enemy wants to whisper in your ear there is no hope there is no life there is no future it's not going to get any better. You're going to be empty. You're going to be filled with bitterness. You're going to have the pain of this betrayal. You're going to walk in the power of this addiction. You're going to walk under the, the strength and, and under, the, under the strength of the brokenness of this world. He wants you to stay in Saturday. God wants you to come to Sunday. He wants you to come to an empty grave, to an empty tomb, and to understand there's a risen Savior who can set you free, who can raise His Son from the grave and can set you free in your life so you're no longer defined by your addiction, by the betrayal, by the loss, but you are defined by the resurrected Savior, Jesus. like for you to stand with me today and we've asked you to take this card. The team's gonna come out and they're gonna sing a song today. I want you to take that card. and If there's a place in your life where you need living hope, where you need the hope of the resurrection to rule in your life, we're gonna ask you to do something. They just write that on there and while they sing this song, just walk down this aisle and just say, God I'm giving this to you. I don't want to live in Saturday anymore. I'm coming down here to say I want to live in Sunday. I don't want to live in the, uh, under, the, under the shadow of the cross. I want to live in the victory of the empty tomb. I want to have your hope reigning in my life today. So I give this thing to you, and I ask you to, from this day forward, let me live in the living hope of your Son. As we sing this song, just let people come past you and come on down and lay that on the altar this morning. Can you imagine being with the people of Israel that have been brought out of Egypt and now the armies of Pharaoh are coming in behind them and they're stuck between the mountains and the sea and the armies of the enemy to destroy them it's an impossible moment imagine standing with the soldiers and the armies of Israel when Goliath calls out for a champion to come. Seems like an impossible moment. Can you imagine being one of the disciples when Jesus is looking out over thousands of people and he says to them, "Uh, feed them. They said, "We, we don't have the money or the resources to do any such thing. Well, feed them anyway. Can you imagine? The followers of Christ on Saturday, he's been crucified, he's dead. Listen, every miracle in its infancy is an impossibility. Every miracle in its infancy is an impossibility. It doesn't seem like there's any way. What we have here today, friends, are miracles in their infancy. Right now, they seem impossible. But to God, nothing's impossible. And that is testified to us by the risen Savior. Father, we bow our hearts before you today and we hold these miracles and their emphasis in our hands. And I pray for the people who wrote things down on this today, that they would not, Father, today, you'd let them leave this place with living hope. That they would not live in Saturday. They would live in Sunday. They would live in the hope of resurrection power. They would live in the light of an empty tomb. And that, Father, you'd begin to breathe your miracle-working power into every one of these circumstances. Father, show your glory, show your power, show your wisdom, reveal yourself in every one of these areas and in the days ahead. Father, let testimonies begin to flow through our families. Let testimonies begin to flow through our church. Let testimonies begin to flow through our community of the power of the resurrection applied to our lives in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen Amen. you may be seated for just a moment i want to share one last thing with you before we go the resurrection says that there is forgiveness of sin the bible says jesus taught us that all the requirements of the standard of god are laid out in two very simple expectations to love god with all of our being and to love our neighbor as ourselves, and that real love plays out in our actions. If we judge ourselves honestly, if you'll judge yourself honestly, you'll know, as I know, when I judge myself honestly, that I've not met that mark. If I'm left on my own, I'll stand before God a debtor. That the justice of God and the Justice of the law will require my payment for my failings. And if you'll face that clearly in yourself, you'll see the people that you've hurt, the things that have come out of your nature, and you'll know that you need help. Resurrection power says there's help. The resurrected Jesus says there's help. And the resurrected Jesus says, Listen, th- don't, don't, don't buy the lie of our culture. There is only one way to eternal life, and that is through Jesus Christ, the one who's risen from the grave. Paul writes to the Colossians and he says to them, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision, of your flesh, talking about their hearts that needed to be transformed. God made a lie together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He's saying there was a record of debt that every one of us had that stood against us and had legal demands demands for eternity attached to us. But he canceled that record. He did this, he says. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. The work that Christ did on Friday on the cross, that's where our sin gets nailed so we can have the life that comes on Sunday. But friends, you have to cross that line of faith. You have to put your faith in Jesus to be your Savior. You've got to make a decision. Are you going to trust him for eternal life? Are you going to trust something else? Resurrection power, the life of Paul, the life of the apostles all point to one thing. They saw a risen Savior. And it cries out to us to surrender our hearts to him. Let's bow our hearts together and let's pray. Father, in these next few moments, I just pray you'd help every one of us to be clear, to have a clear knowledge of who we are before you. Have our debts been nailed to the cross? Have we experienced the resurrection power of your son in our lives? So today, I just pray, Father, you'd make it clear. In every spirit in this room, to every person, that they can rest in the assurance of your salvation or that today they need a new touch of your spirit in their life and they need resurrection power, that they need the dead of their sin to be nailed to the cross. So, Lord, I pray you speak to us in Jesus' name. As every head remains bowed, every eye closed. You say, Pastor, I know beyond any doubt I've asked Christ into my life. I've surrendered my heart to Him. My faith is in Him for, for eternal life. I know beyond any doubt I have done that. We just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I know I've made that decision. Don't be bashful. Raise it high. Yeah. Praise God. Brother, sister, why couldn't you raise your hand? Are you certain? Over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at the certainty of the resurrection, what happened after the resurrection. And I would tell you, it's the most important thing you're ever going to decide. If you sit here today and you say, well, I need to, I, I, maybe I need to think this over. I encourage you to come back over the next several weeks, but maybe. Maybe. Maybe today you're ready. You know you need to receive Christ in your life as your Savior. You need to get your heart back right with God. Some, somebody here, you need to get your heart back right with God. There's others here today, maybe you need to cross that line of faith for the very first time. You'll say, Pastor, that's me. I want, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to put my faith in. Just raise your hand right now in Jesus' name. Just raise it now. God bless you others today. You'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to cross that line of faith this morning and ask Christ into my life to be my Savior. Anyone else? You'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I see that hand in the back of others today. You'll raise your hand and say, pray for me. Lord, yes, God bless you. Anyone else today? You'll raise your hand and say, pray for me today. I feel like I'm supposed to wait for somebody for this morning. I'm going to take a lot of time. Are you ready to stand before God? Anyone else today, you'll raise your hand and say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me. I'm asking you to do one thing today, to acknowledge your need for Christ. Will you do that? Anyone else? Anyone else today? Let's all stand together this morning. Father, you know the condition of every heart in this room. Father, there's many of us that we've been believers and followers of your Son for many years. Father, there's others that are here today that uh, maybe they need to hear more. But Lord, we know what they definitely need is for your Spirit to touch them. And I pray you touch them today and begin to move in their heart and you begin to reveal yourself to them. But Father, there are some here today, that they want to cross that line of faith, they want to be certain that they are right before you. And Father, they've already responded, some of them, by raising their hands. And I pray these next moments as we pray this prayer that, Lord, you'd move in their heart. We know you will because you say in your word that everyone who calls on your name, in the name of Jesus, will be saved. But Lord, I pray today if there's somebody here who's wrestling, they know they need to cross the line of faith. They know they need to re-surrender their life to you. They've walked away. They've ignored what they grew up with. They've ignored what they were taught. That Lord, in your mercy, and your grace, you pour your spirit out upon them until they cross that line of faith once again. Lord, they may have some love for Sin or some love for position. But Lord, nothing's worth our eternity. So we pray you touch them and move in their life in your patience and in your grace. In Jesus' name. Let's all pray this prayer together today. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name and I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I put my trust in him to be my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, if you're one of those folks who raised your hand today, this is the most important thing you'll, you've done. In your life and I want to encourage you to go by our welcome center out in the back before you leave if you didn't raise your hand you should have. you go back by there too there'll be four or five we're not having our prayer teams come down this morning they're gonna be back there today just slip in there with other people as they go in and ask them to pray for you they'll be happy to pray with you for a minute we want to give you some things that'll be a blessing to you if you have any other need in your life you just want somebody pray with you maybe even about one of the things you've already, you've already sent up here is you know I just want somebody to pray with me today go by there and spend a couple of minutes just tell them hey I need somebody to pray with me and let, let the Lord speak to you now listen I just feel compelled to say this you know you need to be living for God you're standing here today you're not living for God you know you need to be it burns in your heart this morning you got something you like doing, something you want to do, some position you have. And you know it may cost you, and it might. It might cost you a lot of things to follow Christ. Following Christ doesn't, he doesn't say everything's gonna be easy. He just says he's gonna be worth it. It's gonna be worth it. Now I wanna challenge you today, friend, if you're standing here today with that going on in your spirit. Remember, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. He's worthy to follow. Amen? Aren't you glad he's alive today? Hope for the world. Let's celebrate today.